Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, I got my co-host Brian Gold, and today we have a special guest who, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of and love watching his uh, content and uh, hearing his wild stories. So, welcome to the show, Mickey. Thank you. Thanks for having thanks for yeah. yeah thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, uh, Mickey is a infamous, uh, you know, card player, right? I play some cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's world famous uh, Baccarat and training other people and uh, just for, you know, mayhem and, and wild stories, you know. How did you, uh, how'd you get into that? Gambling or Bach? Gambling. Gambling? Well, it's just like in my bloodline. It's like what we did. Yeah. My whole family's like high stakes gamblers. Um, so like family get togethers, holidays, whatever. I don't know what normal families do. I don't know. Like watch football on Sundays or whatever. We just like played cards, you know, play like rummy and what what have you. So it was like always there. Um, when I got a little older, I spent a lot of my like uh, youth with my grandparents. And so they would, this is what their life looked like. Atlantic City on the weekends and every night uh, card rooms in New York City. So when I was a kid, I'll just be with them. So my whole childhood basically consisted of like, going to Atlantic City on the weekends and then like growing up in these card rooms in New York, you know, like our meals were there, our entertainment was there. So like, that's just really what it was. It was like, oh, it was just like embedded in me. I didn't really think much of it. It's just like what it was. And then uh, my grandparents, so I was always gambling. Then it was like big in my neighborhood. I came from like a big, like, they're like wealthy Jews and mobsters. And if that's my whole town consisted of only those two options. So like between the two, there was like, too much money in the kids' pockets and too many parents willing to like encourage, you know, like underground casino style gambling. So it's just what we did in the neighborhood as kids and it was embedded in me and all the other kids. And I don't know, we just grew up doing that. My grandparents got, uh, they got tired of me and my brother getting, th them having to leave the casinos because we'd get carded for playing when we were mm -hmm. super young, like, like real kids, you know, like, I don't know, 12 and 14 years old and we're trying to play. So finally they, I don't know how they did it exactly. They got like fake identities for me and my brother just so we can keep gambling with them in the casinos without them being disturbed, you know, and getting thrown out. And uh, so that's it. I started like casino gambling pretty young. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember getting kicked out of Hollywood Park when I was like 16 with a fake ID too, trying to play Pan 9 and shit. It was fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I had a, had a good little run going for a while there. I had some fake bullshit ass ID, but that shit would be, it, it worked. They don't care. How long did it take for them to bust you? Yeah, a couple trips, but like I played, like I was a little ass kid playing Pan Nine with all the with all the Asians at, mm. at Hollywood Park, fucking screaming, slamming the thing down. You know, action! <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, bro. Um, so, you know, the gambling kind of evolved. It's a you know just a a family thing. Yeah, it was just natural. Yeah, just what we did then. Um, then my life went like super south. Like I made every wrong decision. Like I could have had such an easy, stable, safe, guaranteed life, you know? And uh, I made every poor decision I could along my own path. Rebelling and just being stupid and young and no regard for consequence and what have you. And uh, my life just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And it was so bad. And uh, I made a turn and I started cleaning myself up and uh, I got a job, I was a day laborer and then then, you know, I saved money and I opened a business and the business did well. And then after the business, I sold it and I was in like my, roughly like my mid twenties and I moved to LA sort of like to chill, 
but also I had a new business plan that like the best location would be Los Angeles to start it. Not too long after that, I was sort of chilling in the beginning, dragging my feet, taking my time on my business. And almost right before we launched, uh, COVID started. And when COVID started, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I'm too scared, you know, to who knows where the world's going to go. I'm not going to commit any money to anything. I have enough just to live. And, um, I definitely used that money to the maximum. You know, I definitely lived. I used my free time well. And I was going to Vegas like once a week just to party. And I became like a winning player. Not because I thought I was going to win or um, I thought I could win. It wasn't. I just I had more money than I knew what to do with. I had all the time in the world. I had nothing going on. I'm new to the West Coast. So we just wanted to party. Me and Ian, we just wanted to party. So we'd go to Vegas once a week and party. And we'd gamble. And we'd happen to win. And like we didn't think nothing of it. Started offering, you know, the PJs, they gave me a Rolls Royce, they gave me a Maybach, started putting me in these villas and, you know, 24-hour butler service and, you know, and so on and so forth. And then I was like, I think I'm on to something, you know, at this point, I'm winning like 20 to 50,000 every week, you know, on each trip. And that's not that crazy, relatively speaking to like some of the super high stakes gamblers. Like there's guys that come in there with millions, yeah. you know, and so for me to win, you know, 20 to 50,000 is like a blimp. But for me, I was happy to lose twenty or fifty thousand just to party. But I was winning. I said, "Well, I wonder what happens by you know buying a little bigger. Let me add a zero. Well, it turns out my cash outs added a zero too. So now I'm winning, you know, a couple hundred thousand every week. And then at some point, I said, "Let me like really pay attention to this." And I did, and I studied, and me and Ian did some things, and uh, we figured out a way that seemed to yield us some fairly consistent profitable sessions and um i became one of vegas's biggest winners of all times we were winning millions if not tens of millions every week wow so when you're winning that much money are they cashing you out or are they giving you a wire transfer how so does it work there's a lot of laws um i think a lot of casinos got in trouble for like acting as stand-in banks essentially so the law says however a player buys in is how they have to cash out up to uh, the break-even point. And after that, the player's entitled to ask for whatever version of cash out they want. So if you, let's say I buy in for a million and I win a total two million, so one million of mine and then a million profit, they have to give me back my million in whatever form I bought in that million with, whether it be cash, check, or wire. Mm -hmm. And the net profit million, I get to request how they pay me back. But they're at my particular circumstance at a certain time, they wanted to make my life very difficult and they would do whatever I requested as my profit. They would do the opposite every time, you know, it became like this battle, this weird like manipulation and whatever. They started out as like obviously welcoming you with open arms and giving oh, you whatever yeah. you want. At what yeah. point did it turn to where they were like, all right, hold up, bro. Like this is not a relationship we're welcoming anymore type of deal. Yeah, it was, it was really weird because I never really, when while I was living it, I never really considered, like, does how will this happen? There was a time, somewhere around like, the second or third million dollars I won, where like me and my team had to say to ourselves like, do we think this is going to be a problem? And if it is, we had two options, and we all talked about it. I said, do I play smaller, win smaller amounts, but it lasts longer, and maybe I'll go forever under the radar? Or I just go as big, as hard as I can, and we'll go to the wheels fall off. When the wheels fall off, we'll see if we crash into a wall. And we said, we're going to go as hard and fast as we can, and we'll just take it as it comes. That's exactly what we did. So when it came to like them not welcoming me anymore, 
it was like this odd, slow process that we kind of had to figure out on our own. Nobody came and was like, hey, today's the day that we're going to start harassing you and making your life hard. It wasn't like that. It was like this weird, slow thing that they were doing. The You know, all the suits were doing up in their offices, planning and, and plotting against us that we had a see coming without any tip that it was even going to happen. So it was this very slow, gradual process. Well, again, all relative, but some were pretty quick. They're just like... You're a liability. You're not profitable. We don't know what's happening. We don't care. Just stop coming in. Some were like, oh, he's just super lucky. We're going to keep welcoming, you know, welcoming him because one day he'll give it all back. And then some, which never happened. And then some were like, we're going to, you know, set him up. We're going to put him in predicaments that really screw up his his flow and whatever it is and um so you were saying that they would do anything to harass you or like start to uh basically just fuck with your rhythm i guess or, yeah. or anything they could do to like mess up your get get shit get in your head right yeah i mean they did things as small as um one time me and ian were playing we're playing big and out of nowhere they sent someone in dropped a box of tissues on front of me where i'm betting kept walking goes into one of the staff only doors and never comes out you know so you you would say like, well, why would they drop a box of tissues on front of you while you're while you're placing a bet? I think it's because they wanted me to keep thinking about it. And all these years later, here I am still talking about it, so yeah. it worked. You know what I mean? You know, and they would do anything from as something as arbitrary as that all the way up to like really cheating me. You know, they like uh, jam like the the uh, ability to have Wi-Fi or cell service in my room. I put a video out on TikTok not too long ago in Resorts World. The next morning after I posted this video, I was staying at Resorts World when it happened. They were doing it to me. I posted the TikTok of it. I don't know what got like a few million views. Immediately they came in the morning and they said you're banned for life. You know, so they wow. they jam my Wi-Fi. They the prevent cell service from being active in that room. And again, I don't know anything about how Wi-Fi's and internets and I don't know how any of it works. So I don't really, really understand. You know, like I know there's people out there that want me to, that are going to try to like pick it apart and say, well, it doesn't work this way. I don't know what. All I know is it happened. A lot of times I caught it on video. I posted it. They banned me for life for, for posting it, you yeah. know. Um, and, it, you know, like that, they'll like swap cards while I'm playing, which I've caught on video also. That also has millions of views. You know, I've caught them on camera swapping cards. Uh, what do you mean by swapping cards? Like there'll be a certain card underneath. Mm -hmm. And then also when it comes time to turn the card, you know, it's like another card. Like, so for example, the one that I have, uh, that I caught on camera that I put out with all these. So they're doing like sleight of hand. Yeah, sleight of hand, like card mechanics. They're putting exactly, a right? mechanic exactly. behind, the, behind the deck. Exactly. When they're playing with you. Exactly, wow. right. Um, one time, this is a story I told uh, on another interview once. I, um, the green McLaren I pulled up in today, mm -hmm. I drove that uh, to a casino in Vegas one time. And before I got banned, I had my own reserved parking space at the front door of every casino on the strip. And I didn't have to give my keys over because I buy in with cash most of the time, right? Well, in the beginning I did, then I started to switch over to cashier's checks. But when I was buying in with cash, I'm like, how do you expect me to give the keys to my car that might have, you know, one to $4 million in cash to some valet driver? I was like, I'm never gonna do it. So it's like easy for them to be like, keep your keys, don't worry about it, park in your designated spot, no one's going to touch your car, your keys, nothing, right? So I, I had $7 million one time, and I pulled up, and I parked in my normal spot. And the thing is, like, I'm the only person in, like, Vegas history that ever had this, like, exception to the rule, right? Like, I have my own spot. I keep my keys, whatever. So when you get, like, a new valet driver, a new employee, they don't know that. Like, these are just kids working valet. So sometimes they want to, like, hassle me. When I'm gambling, I don't want to talk to anybody I don't want to be hassled. If I you hassle me about the slightest thing, I might just go home. 
back to LA, I'm not gambling today. I don't want any distraction. I got something in my head going on. I'm going to keep it. So I, I park in my spot at $7 million. I see the kid walking towards me, the valet kid. I'm like, he's going to ask me for my keys. He goes, can I have your keys? And I, instead of getting into this argument where like, no, buddy, I'm allowed to keep them. I was accept rule. I was like, no problem. Take my keys, right? He took my keys, gave me the valet ticket. I kept it moving, made it to the table. I sit down at the table. I put the seven million here. It's in chips, by the way. So I put the seven million in chips right here, right? It's in like a clear Ziploc bag. All of a sudden, my chair's pinned up against the Baccarat table. And at this exact moment, nobody was with me. Not Ian, not security. Like I was totally alone for like this exact moment. So my chair's out of nowhere, pinned against this um, Baccarat table. I'm like, what's going on? And I can't get it out. And I just see there's two bodies here and somebody must be behind me pinned. So I start flailing like crazy. I push it back. I stand on my chair and I just start screaming, right? I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? Da -da -da -da. I got 7 million, all this. And it was security from the hotel. I'm like, what? So the pit boss, what I thought what I what I thought my plan should be is if I make enough noise, enough people have to look, and it's like that much harder to rob me of the seven million in the heart of the casino, which is what happened. And the pit boss who knows me is like, "What's going on?" Came over and told security to back away from him. Everybody, get away, get away. And security goes, "What's?" Uh, pit boss goes, "What's going on?" Security turns to me and goes, "Do you drive a green McLaren?" I said, "Yeah." They said, "Oh, you didn't get your valet ticket." And I said, "Oh, you mean this ticket?" And just like that, without saying a word, not apologizing, they just left. Never heard about it again. So they'll do anything from yeah. drop a box of tissues to pin me up against the table for $7 million and everything in between. Did, did you leave that day after that? Did that fuck up the flow? No, I you won. Play? I played and I won. I did won. you? Yeah. Oh, good I, for you, bro. I don't remember exactly what, but, but I won a couple million, yeah. yeah. Are you super superstitious with it? Because uh, you're saying that if you don't like the vibe or whatever's going on, you'll just you'll get up and dip or... It's not so much superstition. It's that um, I'm just like so, uh, how you say, like, uh, like hyper aware while I'm gambling that the smallest things will distract me. And for, for that kind of money and that kind of risk, uh, I can't afford like any distraction. Yeah. So if anything is taking any little compartment out of my brain and, and centering the focus over there, it's like that much weaker I am against the game. Yeah. Are you playing at just the high stakes room or are you in a different area? It's always something different. It depends like what I see going on. So they'll manipulate cards, like, you know, card mechanics, stuff like that. So if I see something happening on one table, and again, as time went on, they came up with plans in the in the back room on how they were going to beat me. So as I started to like see their next plan, I would have to fight against it somehow. So something I did for a little while is uh, me and Ian would go in with disguises. Mind you, during COVID, so we'd wear the COVID mask, I'd have my hood on, I'd wear sunglasses, hands in my hoodie pocket and walk in like this, and he would do the same. So they can't, the facial recognition can't pick us up, the eyes can't pick us up, and we'd also pull up in a car that's not registered to either of us. So they just see like two essentially masked guys walking in, not knowing that it's us, because if they knew it was us, they would already prepare a shoe or something that's uh, like capable of beating me, right? Something that goes against my general structure of play. So when I started to recognize that, I believe, so we started coming in disguises, we'd pick the table. As soon as we pick the table, we'd sit down, take all our stuff off, say, yeah, it's us, and neither one of us can leave the table until I cash in and have the chips. This way there was no chance for anything to be manipulated on the table or the shoe or the monitor or with the dealer, whatever it is. So then I started to see that they would 
they got to recognize like which tables were common for me to play at. And I used to play in like these private rooms. They put me on whatever floor, my own table, my own blah, blah, everything. And then uh, I started to see like the first thing I just said. So we started to play downstairs in the high limit room where they have multiple tables to choose from. And they also have private rooms in the backs of all these high limit rooms. What I started to do was they started to identify which tables I'm likely to play. So they didn't have all, when they saw us coming in with disguises and stuff, they started to have all those tables set up against me. I would find a table that had tons of people sitting at it. I wouldn't look too much at it. It's not, I don't want to like tip anybody off. And as soon as they were about to play, I'd run over and say, I want to reserve this table. Sorry, guys, you got to go. And I'd play their table instead, which was actually set up for them, which is the way it was set up for me to win. So I started doing anything I could to try to stay ahead of the wave that they were manipulating me. Yeah. Wow. Interesting um, and fucked all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like a, a, a game within a game of, of uh, you know, getting something that is in your, you know, or at least not stacked against you, right? I used to say all the time that uh, high stakes gambling is 70% politics and 30% 30 playing cards. Yeah. it's There's so much happening in the background well beyond playing cards. That the playing cards is one of the least relevant portions of all of it. Wow. Um, That's true in business as well, though. What was your first big run like that kind of got you to the point where you're like, "This is a, this is a thing." There was like four moments that like shifted my perspective. Uh -huh. The first was uh, way back in the day. I was losing my whole net worth, which at the time was nothing. I don't know, like ten grand or something. You know, I was just a kid, and um, I was losing five hundred dollars a time at a time at my local casino in blackjack. And at like seven, I was awake all night gambling, like seven eight a.m. I beat them. I won like, I don't know what, like $8,600, $8,700 or something like that. Which for me at the time, I was, this is the biggest, you know, legitimate cash out from a casino I really had, you know, as a kid. And I took a photo. I had all the hundreds on my lap and I had a cigar in my hand. I took this photo. I still have it in my phone. Like still, I look at it once in a while. And that was like the first time I got the feeling of a, of a big win. There was another time um, when I was in business still and I was like, roughly five days short of making rent and payroll and all this and i had just i had like financial implications I just, and i was like i'm i'm not going to survive the next five days of business i can't bridge this gap i had uh received a payment from one of the vendors for twenty four thousand dollars and i didn't tell my partners there were other times in my story where my partners were in on it we're as partners we all looked at each other like we need more money than we can acquire now let's drain the bank account we'll all go to the casino like we support you as a team but at this particular time I didn't tell anybody. I just took the 24,000 out of the business account, went to the casino and I won. I won exactly what I needed. It was, I forget what it was, like 75,000 or 85,000, whatever it was. I put the 24 back, I made payroll, I made all the payments we had to make and we bridged the gap and like business continued. Wow. Yeah, and then the next like pivotal moment, I spent an entire summer losing. Like I would have lost a coin toss if you gave me two guesses. And at the, <laughs> I, I was like borrowing money. I remember actually my casino host gave me uh, money. She lent me, she sent, she, uh, she lent me a few thousand bucks, my, my casino host in the casino I was staying in. And even that I basically lost, right? And I had 200 bucks left. And uh, that $200 in three days, we turned into uh, 800,000. Wow. Damn. Yeah. On yeah. a run, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that we documented it. I, I did a whole thing on it. Yeah, so it took three days. It went from two hundred dollars to eight hundred thousand, and it was like that was my biggest win to life at the time. Like that was like well, you know, like well beyond it. Before that, it was like you know, I had some, I had six figure wins, but 
not eight hundred thousand and not from two hundred dollars. You know. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and then like the last thing that really did it for me was probably the first time I won a million dollars profit. It was it was actually exactly one point two five million is what I won, and uh, it took a few days. Me and Ian didn't even talk about it. We like cashed out. We took a funny video. I'm sitting at a piano um, in the chairman's suite, you know, on the top floor, and I'm playing piano in the in the in the chairman that we were staying in at the time. And we put all the cash on the top of the piano, and Ian just filmed like a quick clip from the top of me playing with the money, and like that was out. We flew home, and we didn't talk about it for like three days. And then out of nowhere, Ian was sitting on my couch, and I was like. Bro, I just won a million bucks, and he and then then he just like let it out. He's like, I know I've been like holding this in. I didn't know like how to address it. Like I didn't, you know. And uh, like that was just like this moment. Where I was like, dang, like I just fulfilled my dream that I've had, you know, for all these years. Like I won a million dollars, you know. And it was no looking back. We never won less than a million since then. It's it's amazing because uh, it's obviously really easy to root for you because everybody wants like that's the story that everybody wants to hear, bro. Everybody wants to hear about somebody walking in and. And taking these motherfuckers, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. consistently to where they have yeah. to try to combat it, you know. Um, in the early days, were you playing multiple games or just kind of like whatever it was? Yeah, I, I listen to this day. I'm a degenerate. I yeah. love to gamble. Yeah, if you want to throw pickles up against the window and see which falls off first, like I'll bet on it, you know. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so in the beginning, I played anything, you know, uh, but I preferred blackjack. That was like my game of choice. And to this day, it probably double deck blackjack pitch more specifically is my game of choice. Yeah. Other than I also like Pagal, but Pagal is my most enjoyed game. I enjoy that the most. Like if I had to play any game, one game for the rest of my life, it'd probably be Pagal, Pagal poker. Yeah, cards, right? Not tiles. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. But you'll never win, but you also never lose. Yeah. You know, it's just the fun of it, you know, yeah. uh, but blackjack was really my game. And I was living uh, down in the Miami area, and there's like a group of us that we like went to the casino every day. We're like a little gambling team, and some played black, uh, blackjack, some played uh, Bach, some played both, some played carnival games, some only played poker, whatever it was. And I remember like the limits in Miami are 5k per hand in blackjack, and the rules aren't that great, and it's only six deck. And there was nothing I can do to let them bet, make me bet more. They sent me, you know, there's a negotiation list, like how much you deposit, you can negotiate up to higher limits, but their limits are so trash. It's if you deposit a million dollars, you have the same limits if you deposit two million, and it's the same if you deposit three million. So I'm like, how am I gonna give you an extra two million dollars to still bet the same as one million? And even the smaller limits are they're very like not competitive with other casinos. So just like at standard walk-in limit. 5k max and they wouldn't let me bet more and it wasn't like a good negotiation my boy played blackjack and bach was like bro just play bach right you can bet 10k off rip and i'm like really and then he's like yeah and i was like all right say less teach me how to play bach right and uh i gave him a purple chip 500 i said place a bet he placed a bet we won i said leave the cards just explain to me why we won he explained it so, mind you i didn't know any of the rules of bach right. i didn't know nothing i didn't even know what won what did it so he, we won i won my first ever bach right hand 500 bucks he told me how we won. I said, all right, cool, place another bet. He placed another bet, we lost. So, all right, just tell me why we lost. He explained it. I said, all right, let's play. And we played a shoe, and that's how I started to learn Baccarat. Yeah. Um, you prefer the player or the, the dealer's hand? Is there like a, just a rhythm to it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, I mean, bank will always have a slight 
capability. Advantage, right? yeah, yeah, slight advantage. It always bank always acts in response to player, which mm -hmm. is what gives it the slight edge, which is why you only pay commission on the bank side. Yeah. So at face value, I guess like everybody should say, Oh, I prefer the bank side because of the slight edge. But I think it can go either way depending on the hand, obviously. Is there a reason you play by yourself? Just for the influence of an amateur or somebody else? Yeah, I don't need nobody knocking me off my access, cheering me on, or, or talking down. or yeah. I don't want the pressure either of losing other people's money. I tried that route before. It's like a terrible route. Yeah. Like if I place a bet, I bet I flat bet a quarter million a hand. So I place two hundred fifty thousand, and some guy wants to bet I don't know a thousand bucks. I don't know what they. I don't know what regular normal people bet. I don't know, but he places a bet, and then we lose. And I'm like, oh man, he just lost because of me. What if he's not that? Doesn't have that much money. What if I just lost him? Yeah. You know, half his net worth. I'm like, oh my god, I feel so responsible. And then all I can think about is this guy instead of the quarter million I'm betting on the next hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very uh, valiant of you, I guess. But no, I totally get it because I, you know, things go through your head in that way. Yeah. Um, what's about what about losses, bro? What's uh, anything that's like been just sticks out in your mind? Something that you remember, or you yeah, just try I, to keep it. People always ask me my biggest loss. Something on the internet is people are always like, he never talks about his losses. Yeah. Which first of all is not true. I've lost on live, I, I gamble on live TV. Yeah. I've lost on live TV, so my losses are out there. And I've talked about my losses. And, uh, but, but I don't know how people want me to show my losses. Like what do they want me to do, send a picture of an empty table? Like if I lost, there's no chips on it. I don't yeah. know, <laughs> like what do you want me to, how do you want me to show a loss? Yeah. But um, I talk about my biggest loss. Uh, my biggest loss was $8 million. It took place over a whole afternoon. It does actually have a happy ending. Uh, I bought it for a million dollars more, and in 45 minutes, I won $9 million. So I had a $1 million profit. But that was my biggest loss, was $8 million. Yeah. How did that, that was like pretty uh, tumultuous, I'm sure? Like it was... it was... It was very distressing. I was very um, like distraught. I actually have photos. I have a lot of photos of the $9 million, you know, and like a lot of like documentation of the $9 million that I won, but not the eight that I lost. So I kind of wish I did. It'd be cool just to show losing $8 million. It's kind of a yeah. flex, you know, that I had $8 million to at least lose. Yeah. And, and uh, the balls to come back know, the same day. the table and, yeah. and get them, you know? Yeah. It was, this was how I looked at it. When it was happening, the first $3 million I lost, I was like, it was like your standard loss. I don't know, like whatever relative amount you gamble, whatever dollar amount that is, imagine you lost, you know, three out of eight. Let's say you bought an 8,000, you lost 3,000, I don't know. Yeah. That standard feeling, you're pissed off, you're angry, you're like kind of on tilt, you're like, yeah. how can I win, you know? And then I lost the, the next, I wanna say, two or three million. And when I lost that last two or three million, I was so like, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I was like, you know, first, I don't know if you guys really know, do you know how hard it is to lose $8 million? You ha if you tried to lose $8 million, you probably wouldn't. It's really hard. It has to be like so perfectly handcrafted. 32 bets, huh? 250? In a row without winning any. Yeah, that's wild. Without winning a single one. Hard to do in Baccarat. Right. That sounds like the deck was rigged in their favor. That's exactly right. So I spent, <laughs> so I spent my last $2 million very happy. I said, I figured it out. I didn't lose. I was set up. I'm going to spend whatever it takes till I figure out what the setup is. And I'm going to turn it in my favor. So I spent the last $2 million figuring out what exactly is happening. And that's when I bought it in the last minute. I figured it out. I said, it's no problem. You guys can have the $8 million. I bought it for a million more knowing the setup. And I played it in, into my own palm. And that's how I won $9 million in 45 minutes. Wow. To be able to see through that and have the vision and, and, and understand what was going on. Not, not many have the...
you know, the stomach for it, let alone the, you know, to be able to, to get it back in your favor. It's cool that anything can be changed though, huh? Is that, I think that's why Baccarat is like their scariest game as well as a, as a, a casino, right? Because they know that somebody can come in and crush them in that game. That, that's basically the only game that a player can absolutely demolish the house. Not demolish in the sense of like taking down a multi-billion dollar corporation, not like that, but demolishes it. You know, affect the bottom line, affect the day's revenue for sure. Yeah. You know, people win. You know, they'll have like guys from China come and win 20, 30, 50 million, you know, in one weekend. Yeah. Um, so you, have, you had all these winnings. Yeah. What do you do with the cash after your year, you know? Yeah, yeah. so, so um, because I'm a full-blown degenerate, I definitely need to protect me from me. So I created a real estate fund. It's an investment fund, but it's almost exclusive, exclusively real estate, really. Um, I put like a little board together. They're in charge of it. They ask me my opinion all the time, and I always ask them to stop asking my opinion. I am not a professional over there. I don't know what you're going to take from my perspective. I'm probably going to give you the wrong advice. You're the pros. That's why I hired you. Do your thing, you know? So that's really it. It's pretty boring, to be honest. That's good though. But it's boring and safe for someone yeah. like you. Yeah, exactly. It's safe. It protects me from me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, any crazy stories you want to share? Uh, just in partying or life or crazy Vegas trips? Anything? Whatever you want. I know you. You want to know about the the hat. Yeah, about the hat thing. Yeah. So. Your lucky hat or what? No. Just no, the hat. You just like. the hat. I wanted away. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they gave me. All the PJs, they gave me all the cars, they gave me, they actually furnished one of my houses, the casinos. And uh, I was throwing a party, me and Ian threw a party in Vegas one one time, and I put on like my, my, my usual, like my stained hoodie and ripped up sweatpants or whatever. And I was like, dang, I wanna wear this one hat that I have. I was like, but the hat's in LA. And so I called my driver and I said, hey, can you bring me to the tarmac and have the PJ set up? I need to fly to LA. They're like, okay. Within five minutes, you know, the Maybach was there, took me to the tarmac. I get on the PJ. When we land, uh, I had my driver in LA pick me up on the, on the tarmac and I told the pilot of the PJ, I said, don't leave the plane. I'll be back in 30 minutes. And I went to my house, grabbed the hat, came back on the, on the jet and just flew back to Vegas to throw the party. There you go. Yeah. That's how you do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I did the same, like a very similar thing one time. I took the PJ to LA. I never even went in my house. I just had my driver take me to the mailbox. I checked my mail. I'd been in Vegas for like a month or something. Yeah. So I had the jet fly me to Vegas. I checked my mail, never went inside and just got back on the jet and flew back. I used to use PJs like Ubers. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Oh, their dime or yours? Their dime. Yeah, yeah perfect. Screw, of man. course, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Bless. Yeah. Um, Are you allowed to go in the casinos now? Uh, every casino treats me differently. So some like don't even want my shadow casted on their sidewalk, you know, some are super stoked to have me because it's such good marketing for them. Like just by me walking through, people will start tweeting out, yo, Mickey's at such such casino. And then all of a sudden there's all these people there, whether they want photos or to, to ask me a gambling question or thinking I'm just going to gamble and want to watch or whatever it yeah. is. So it's good for them. Um, so I get a little bit of everything between some of them. We have like pretty long-standing terms like some i know i am not welcome anywhere near some i know i'm fully welcome but i can't touch 
anything relating to wagering, no cash, no chips, no cards. And then all the ones in between I have to call, and every time it's case by case. I'm like, hey, I'm coming in with this celebrity. They want to gamble. with you know, They want me to sit next to them while they gamble. Can we come in? Sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say yes. If they say yes, there's like specific terms I have to follow. And You can't wager, though. No, no, no. Well, um, there's one company that lets me wager on the strip. There's one company that lets me wager off the strip. There's a company. Uh, I know a guy just bought one of the casinos on the strip. He's very, very excited to have me come and play. Uh, so I will be able to wager there. It's not a casino. The casino's on the strip, but there's there's no wagering to be done at the moment. You know. Yeah. The, so um, that's, that basically encompasses all of my yeah. playabilities. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, traveled? Have you traveled and played other places in the world and stuff like that? Or does um, that get a little weird? Uh, well, it definitely gets weird. So when I was younger, I did. I played in so many countries. I played, um, I played all over Europe. Um, I played in quite some countries. I played in on islands, you know, stuff like that. When I was a little bit younger, during this like uprising or whatever this pub, pub Public, publicness yeah. i haven't um i don't know when i can and when i can't and there's really no way to know until i show up so imagine like i jump through all the hoops to like get the money to china get myself to china walk into one of the casinos just for them to be like sorry buddy you can't play in this town yeah. you know it's just too much i also don't need to i'm not under pressure i'm not under fire here like and it's a very stressful life I'm like pretty content. When they told me to stop gambling, I almost in my head was like, thank yeah. God. You really? Know? Because one loss, like let's say they do one setup against me that I can't catch. Who knows? That, you know, it can cost me $20, 30000000 million. Wow. And it might not be recoverable if I never figure out what the setup is. So I think they saved me. Yeah. So they saved you. Saved themselves. Yeah. Um, is there any tips? for any aspiring card players or anything out there that you could share with them? Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. Sure Don't gamble. Love. Do yeah. not gamble. Yeah. There's such an unlikelihood of you being a winner. Yeah. You might as well consider that you will never win, right? And if you do, then it's like a cherry on top. If you're going to gamble, despite my very, very clear warning, do not gamble. But if you're gonna gamble anyway, Figure out what your budget is. What would you happily spend on a night of entertainment? You know, like if you're like, hey, I would spend $1,000 to have fun doing whatever, then you're going to go to a casino at $1,000 and spend it just as if it was like a, a a ticket to get into a concert or I don't know, what an event or whatever. So while you're losing that $1,000, you are like, I'm not losing $1,000. I paid $1,000 to enjoy my night and this is the manner in which I wanted to enjoy it. If it's anything beyond that, then you're in a bad predicament. The casinos aren't nicer than our houses for no reason. Yeah. That's true. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, how is it uh, working with other celebrities? I've seen you with Little Baby and a couple other cats kind of like helping them out with the, the game. Yeah, yeah. Is that pretty cool? Some is super cool. All right, in the beginning, it was all cool for me. Because yeah. I'm just some guy, you know? Yeah. I only got on social media, like, I don't think, like, three years ago. Before that, I was, like, anti-social media, totally anonymous. So, like, immediately, like, every one of, like, the biggest stars that I can, like, idolize or engage with, like, is sliding in my DMs, you know? And they're like, yo, what's good? We should, like, chill or whatever. Anybody that recognized me, I was like, I can't believe you recognize me. Like, that's so, I don't know the word, like... It was just cool. 
And then after some time, I got a little desensitized. I, in some of my own right, I became a little bit of like a local celebrity, like by yeah. my, you know. So then I started to become like more, um, how you say, like eye to eye. I felt like I was, not that I was really necessarily starstruck. And I still to this day, once in a while, I get a little starstruck. Like, and, I'll, and I'll tell the dude, I'll be like, yo, I'm a huge fan. I can't believe like I'm chilling, you know. And um, once I start to like feel more confident in that space, in that realm of public figures, I became more comfortable treating them like normal people like i don't care how famous you are if i don't really like you i ain't i ain't coming out you know but in the beginning it was just like i couldn't believe you recognized me yeah, of course i want to come hang out and i'm like dang i don't really like this guy or i don't like this this woman or whatever it is and i saw myself like still trying to be around them just because i thought like that atmosphere was so idolized and worshipped and then once i started to feel confident in my position within the group or whatever i was like this ain't me. Yeah. You know, I'm staying in. I'd rather stay in. I'd pay you to not text me today. I'd rather stay inside, you know? Yeah, I understand that. You know, they say never meet your heroes. So that's kind of like the, the, the thing, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Some people are great. Some people aren't, you know. But I do want to say some of them are super, super dope human beings. Yeah. I don't want this only to be negative. No, of course. Some of like these, like, what we say, never meet your heroes. That what yeah. you said? Some of my heroes that I met are some of my best friends now. There's yeah. like no question. They're like super dope human beings. And we both have like big means, so we can do all our childhood fantasies as like big kids now, you That's know. And, and it's super dope, yeah, man. It's super cool. Uh, do they handle the losses okay? We don't have that big of a sample size of losses to say like overall, do famous people handle it well or yeah. not? And the sample size I do have, right? Most handle it good, but I've had a couple that really took me by surprise. Really. Yeah, like I can only recall like three relevant losses. I don't want to say which people they oh, no, are. No, of course not. That's not. That's too much. Yeah. Yeah, one of them, I don't even know if he knew that we lost. I don't even think he thought about it. We partied so hard that weekend that he was just like, almost like he wanted to hang out with me. Yeah. And he didn't know how to relate to me, so he's like, "Can we gamble? Like, I'll fly you to Vegas on my jet. Let's just hang out." And I'm like, "Sure." And we had lost, and he, I think he was just so happy, just like be around, just have me with him and partying. Yeah. That like he never, we never even spoke about it again. Like even the rest of the trip, that's we didn't dope. talk about it. Super dope. So that was the ticket he was buying. He didn't care. That's how I. That's yeah. what I think happened. I never asked him. That's a weird, you know. Yeah, but that's what I think, you but, know. Yeah. Which is cool because he's my boy, and like I'm yeah. happy. Like that was cool. He didn't just use me. He wasn't like I want you to make me money, or else we can't yeah. be friends. He's like I'll pay. Like I just want to hang out, you that's know. That's dope. I guess. Uh, I know we we're trying to keep it, uh, you know, kind of in the 45 range and we're getting there now. Um, is there anything you had left uh, that you want to ask that we haven't covered? We kind of touched on it, but when you go to a casino with whoever, are you allowed to give the person next to you tips or is the casino kind of weird about it? In the very, very beginning, nobody had ever done what I did, right? First of all, no one has publicly ever successfully beat the casino. Short of, there were like two, there were there was a few circumstances, but it, mine is still unique to theirs. So they really didn't know how to address or handle me or or my publicness or whatever. And nobody was like bringing in celebrities the way I was. Like, like nobody was. I don't know how you say like the amount of you know like famous people that have contacted me asking to fly me in is probably quantity as well as quality more than any other gambler has encountered so they were really like great that these people are coming in 
but it's bad because these people are winning. And then they would start coming in without me and keep winning. And they're like, something is not good for us, you know? So when I first started bringing them in after they banned me, they're like, sure, you can coach. Thinking like, we don't know what's happening, but if that's what we have to say to get the celebrity in, cool. Until they kept coming back without me and still winning and winning and winning. And then when they would let me come in, they noticed that a celebrity will ask me, where do I want to go? And so for me to pick one casino, I'm not incentivized by any casino. I hate all the casinos. I hope they all burn down while the executives are still standing in them. <laughs> I, I have no interest or stake in any of yeah. the casinos. Like, I can care less. So for me, it was whatever casino I thought we'd win at, as well as treat me nice. I just want them to be nice to me. I'm a human being. Just be, just be human with me. Be nice to me. And if you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. I'm very no, – all the respect in the world, no problem. So like when one casino would like do something that I didn't appreciate or disrespect me, like you can guarantee that me and whoever that person is are just not going to that casino. So some of them were like, okay, we'll let you come in with that person. We'll be nice to you. You can't gamble, but we'll let you do whatever else. You can coach. You can party, whatever. Then they'd come in without me and keep winning, and they'd be like, okay, this coaching thing is now an issue. So they would like have – one time I came in, I was with Lil Baby, Roddy Rich, Kifa, and Ben Kicks, and they tried to throw all of us out because I was with them. Then they permitted me to be there with them. They said, I can't touch anything. I also can't say anything. So they said, no talking. And I think we're at the point of COVID where we can take the mask off. I can't remember exactly where in the mask part of COVID we were, Yeah. but I have videos of it. So I kept my mask on so I can try to whisper underneath my mask to the guys, like what I think. But the pit boss was a very serious thing. There was a pit boss right on me that told me straight up, if I see you talk, you're out, you know? So they stopped letting me coach. Damn. I'm going to end with this. It's just going to be a short and sweet, you know, opinionated question. But uh, your favorite place on the strip to play cards? None of them. They're all trash and no one should go anywhere. There you go. No endorsements here. Hey, bro, we appreciate you uh, coming and sharing the story. It's uh, fuck, quite an epic run. And like you said, you did something that nobody's ever done publicly before. And we've all like you know, love to watch you do it, bro. It's amazing. Congrats, and uh, thank you. We Keep appreciate crushing. it. Thank you, guys. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, share. We'll see you next time.